that's the oh, police, police live from 2003 uh remastered version of the police live and that song is synchronicity 2 and man the power nick talk to me about the power of staying on the bass and Stuart copeland on them drums baby listen Stuart copeland is one of the greatest rock drummers ever come on challenge me on that man come on man he's top five man <laughs> He so good, anyway, good. anyway, he good, he aight, he aight. All right, he ain't no Neil Pert, but he aight. Oh whoa, 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 man, hold up. Okay, I got one thing to say before I fix my headband. Okay, Jason Bonham, John Bonham's son, went up to um, went up to Stewart and said, "Dude, I just wanted you to know, my dad thought you were really good before he died." So. Um, that's all I got to say about that. Um, anyway, welcome back to Life MMA in the NBA. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, dressed up like I'm going to Woodstock with my brother, Nick Cazono, and the doctor, Will Woo. What the heck is going on <laughs> with DJ? Man? You're like stuck in a certain time period with the music. <laughs> What he's got a he took a little couple uh hits of uh something yeah man <laughs> put a little something special back. underneath underneath yeah. his tongue hey Will's this against school policy oh my gosh there you go man Nick and, I, Nick and I were just we're just listening to California Love and then uh ah that's acceptable this that's still that's sting that that or sorry not sting that police version. Of, of that song was very acceptable. So I give you props to that. But we are stuck in, in, a, in yes. an era of music. Yes. Yes. We need to, we need to little, we need to like, okay, wait move a out of a little bit. We can okay. always visit. Okay, okay, we okay. We always visit. Okay. Throw some hip hop. Yeah, you know what? I have some. Play some Fugees. I have Ready some. Ready or not. Oh, I love that song. Uh, let's see, who is this? Uh, I have Nas. Let me see. Oh my gosh. Got some Wu Tang. Huh? Oh. Got some Wu Tang. Ironically, Lauren Hill is featured on this, this track. Life. I wonder. Oh, yeah. Give it up for Nas from Queens, New York. What's up, Nas? I mean, Nas at his peak. He was good. Good. He dope, man. He's Can't deep. say nothing about New York. He's still dope. He, uh, as as they said in Coming to America, he always be clay to me. I don't give a fuck what it says his name is. Captain Clay, <laughs> he always be clay to me. Hell, how I don't give a fuck what his mama name is. How talented was Eddie Murphy in that? There was oh. like, what was he, three characters in that scene? Yeah, they, both, they both did two or three characters in those barbershop scenes there was one so. guy there was one character that i didn't know it was eddie murphy until much later on oh it was incredible like i knew he was a couple of them but there was one of them i was like oh my gosh i didn't know he, he, he was he was too. the jewish guy he was clarence the barber yeah, and he, was, he barber. was he was the jewish guy and he was also himself as uh, akim and arsenio was the other barber and he was semi in that particular. Oh, maybe I didn't know. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know. Maybe the Jewish guy. When the I first Jewish guy him, was Eddie. Was 
Yeah. I was ridiculously good. Yep. He's good. He's good. Uh, and, and I should get a little bit of credit for being able to do it because he goes, and what other guy named Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali? I I don't give a fuck what his mama say his name is to me. He clay. He always be clay to me. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's pretty good. That's man. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Come on, man. Oh I mean, I, I want our audience to know that I'm multi-talented, man. I'm not just a, a ham and egger over here, okay? I, I only wish they could see <laughs> what you are wearing right now i wish they could see it's very on opposite ends of the spectrum as what nick's got going on nick's got it's a snowy it's a snowy day the japanese unabomber basically right the japanese unabomber yeah he's making bombs and if you come into this house he's gonna throw a flying triangle on you he will man he will tap your monkey ass out and then um, DJ is pretty much looks like the music that he plays. Can I get a witness for Woodstock? Oh man. Okay. All right. I have all right. to. I I just gotta play one thing for you guys. Uh, and keep talk amongst yourselves. Guess the guess the era, Nick. No, what it is. Think? It's actually. The shirt that I'm wearing is this. Um, the the shirt that I'm wearing is is the the name of this song, but I just I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this woman. One of our one of our guests from a previous show played Woodstock. Yeah. Yeah. The name of this song is Woodstock from Joni Mitchell, but yeah, I've heard Joni Mitchell. But here you go. I'm going on down to Yasgur's farm. I'm gonna join in a rock and roll. Man, I'm gonna camp out on the land. I'm gonna try and get my soul. That sounds a little bit something like what Conor McGregor would walk out to. Is that an angelic voice if you've ever heard one or what? Yeah. And then the fight begins and then and brilliant, <laughs> a brilliant plan right. strategy was executed. Pop. All right, let's get down. We'll, we'll, just, <laughs> we'll just press the fast forward button. Y'all done heard it. So let's go. The Unabomber is about to take over and talk about, well, oh, look at that. He just threw that lead. But, but for Chandler, it's give a up, lead left up. hook. Give it up, Nick. So, give it up. It's that counter, right. that counter right hook with point. Ooh, ooh. Start it down. Ooh. Start it. Break it down. <laughs> Nick, get it, get it rocking, baby. Okay, I mean, rocking, baby. MMA fighting. Yeah, let's just go to the main course. Mix it in. Let's go to the Mix main course in. first. All, all the, all the aspects of, of MMA. You know, the the grappling, the kicking, obviously the punching. I think some people get too wound up in the. And the punching aspect of MMA, and they forget about all the other aspects, which doesn't forget that it's MMA. Kind of embodied well, let's look. Let, let's just contextualize really quick. This lasted literally half of the first round. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, that was Dan Hooker against um, Dan Hooker against uh, Michael Chandler. Mike Chandler. Okay, so this ended at 2:32 of round two. TKO punches. Dustin Poirier shocks. 
not everybody and knocks out the notorious Conor McGregor. And on this show, we have been very diligent in discussing and we're, you know, first of all, none of us have fought in the cage and we recognize that. Uh, uh, I would say all of us have trained with MMA guys on the mat um, before. Some of us have sparred before. Um, and so to that extent, you know, we know a little bit. But what we're talking about in terms of is when we see an egregious lack of attention to detail, we'll call it out with full respect that these are the, the toughest people, the baddest people on the planet. So um, that we'll never not say that. So, Nick, take it away on what happened relative to Conor McGregor being dispatched at 232 of round two versus uh, Dustin Poirier. Uh, basically, you know, Dustin's camp at ATT created probably one of the most brilliant game plans to, to beat Conor McGregor. You know, they had they mixed up every all the skills that he has as an MMA fighter. You know, like first round he shoots for a takedown and takes down McGregor, and McGregor's eyes were like, whoa, what, 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 what's going on? He was not ready for that takedown in a lot of people's eyes. I don't think he was, but... <laughs> I mean, that mixed it up, and that set the precedent of, like, the rest of the fight. It's like, okay, this guy can take me down now. And then all of a sudden, you know, Poirier's mixing in leg kicks, calf kicks, landing him hard and everything. And, and then from there, you know, we all, everyone knows that Dustin Poirier can crack, but he had great head movement. He had a nice check or, uh, yeah, check or counter right hook that mm -hmm. hit Connor a couple times. He's pointing, doing, like, a Nate Diaz-style, like, point. And everything in, rever in reference to um, Nate Diaz's fight with uh, Michael Johnston, he was kind of pointing after he hit him a lot of times. So, I mean, I think it's an amalgamation of uh, all those skills, sort of in this game plan, and then Connor only kind of using his hands. And granted, Connor looked pretty good in that first round. He he, he did, but and a lot of people maybe thought that Connor won that first round, but all those mixed skills from Dustin Poirier kind of paid him dividends in the second round. And man, that, that calf kick, I think he landed one and it just like, I don't know, buckled Connor, but it really impeded his movement. And then all of a sudden just Dustin started catching him with those hands and that's all she wrote. It was just, that was it. <laughs> Good night. Well, uh, well, we, we've talked about it extensively on the show. And I was so excited that you had made a point about uh, because apparently he got a takedown. Uh, I hadn't seen the fight, so I'm going off of what I read. You didn't see the fight? I did not see any of the fights. Well, he heard really? it. His eyes were closed during the whole the whole time. Because, yeah. Oh my god. He doesn't like when he doesn't. He was a little bit nervous for Conor McGregor, so he closed his eyes. I was. I, it was very traumatic that Conor lost. No. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm well, still I was wrong. I, I I I was wrong. I thought I thought Poirier was gonna just stand and try to box. So I was I was wrong in my prediction of what Poirier's strategy was gonna be. So um, the last time we spoke about it, which will go down in the history books of podcasts. If you want to find that podcast, it's gonna be like an Indiana Jones movie. You'll, You'll never find it. Find clues. You'll never find it. In <laughs> in that podcast. I had mentioned that, oh, this is not going to be a real big fight to me because Poirier is going to try to stand and trade and Conor McGregor is going to get the best of him. 
I was wrong in that strategy that he employed, but wow, did I love, who's 48's coach, Mike Brown? Mike Thomas Brown, that's right. Mike Brown. Brown. So mad props to Mike Brown, right, for that strategy. Mad props for Poirier for executing that strategy. And it was basically what I think in general what we've been saying all along about about what you need to do in MMA. You need to be multiple. And especially against Conor McGregor, right? And and people were saying this too. It's kind of funny that he was – he was denying this when people were asking him in the press com- the pre-fight press conference, but they were asking about his cardio and he's like, oh, that's just a myth, right? Uh, da, 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 da. And it's no, it's not a myth. Like you take that guy into the later rounds, you make him expend his energy. He's a different fighter. And it was really, they were paying attention to the Khabib fight because what did Khabib do? He dragged him down. He did what Khabib does. And then I think it was, was it the third round? I think Khabib was on record saying he was going to stand up that round and he was going to try to knock McGregor out. I don't know. I can't remember if it was the second or third round. I think okay. it was a third. I think it was a third round. Um, but it was, if he was going to do that, that was what you need to do to do that, to have the best probability of surviving that is you need to kill him on the ground for the first two rounds take away his energy, and then try to knock him out. Because if you do it in the first round, Conor McGregor's probably going to do some damage to you. So I thought it was a really, really good execution um, of Destin Poirier to get that takedown. Although you did see the grappling difference, the top game difference between a high-level top game guy in Khabib compared to a, a Destin Poirier's top game, right? He doesn't get back up um, against Khabib, but... Poirier, even though he gets a takedown, he's able to get up. Uh, Poirier didn't leg lace him. When Conor McGregor scoots to his butt, goes directly back to the fence, and everybody knows what they're trying to get to the fence to do. They're trying to get to the fence to get back up. Stand up. And so Por- what Poirier need to do that Khabib does really well is leg lace. So when you leg lace, you can't get back up. It's hard to get back up using the fence to do that. But Poirier couldn't do that, whether he tried to do it or not, but he did it, and he got back up. But I think the initial damage was a little bit done. And then there was some trading uh, with the hands. And I got you got to give that to Connor, right? Connor actually, in the post-fight, Poirier said that he hit him really um, hard with the left, Connor did to Poirier. And Poirier said if he kept the pressure on him, Poirier was like, oh, man, I don't know what, what if it happened. But he didn't. And maybe why he didn't is because what he did to Connor in the first round. And so that's really, really critical in terms of the execution of a game plan and formulating a game plan. And then what have we been saying repeatedly on the show about leg kicks and the importance of leg kicks? Over and over and over again. Connor said it in his post-fight interview. He said, I don't have a mark on my face. And he really didn't have a mark on his face, mm-hmm. right? He had maybe some bruises, but no cuts or anything. But yet he gets TKO'd. Why? Because he took away, yeah, he took away his energy, right? Made him spend some gas in the first round. And then the leg kicks take the base out. And then what happened? Calf kick too. Oh yeah. Sorry. The calf kicks. Right. Um, And there you go. And this is the damning thing. Is Dustin Poirier known as a takedown top game 
MMA fighter? Uh, he became one. He's and- not, but he's not known, yeah. is it? You're not going into that fight saying, oh my gosh, Justin Poirier is going to take him down. No. And then he's, he's got, got the skills fight. to do it against yeah. guys. That but he does not do that. He does. That's not his MO. And no, is his not his MO, usual go-to. No. And is his MO leg kicks. Like, do you go, oh man, this guy's the next best thing to Je- Justin Gaethje's leg kicks or, uh, or uh, what's his name? Jeez, uh, I'm brain farting. The Brazilian that. Uh, da, 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 yeah, da, da, Barbosa. Uh, Barbosa's leg kicks or, jeez, uh, yeah, Louise. No, no, no. Um, Jose Aldo? Jose Aldo, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, okay. you say that Dustin Poirier is even the same realm in terms of leg kicks as those guys. If you're honest with yourself, you say no. He's not a person that's going to take down, and he's not the person that has awesome leg kicks, but he just beat Conor McGregor using both. That's damning. Well, this that, show you, that shows you the quality and execution of this fight strategy. This isn't an original thought because somebody on Twitter said this, and it might, I think it was Eugene S. Robinson said Eugene S. Robinson, our boy from um, his show from uh, If I Did It and If As the Shoes Fit, and he said um, the person who's really upset the day after the fight on Sunday more than anybody is not Connor, it's Jose Aldo, because he's like. Instead of trying to, like back when we were at Gracie Baja, Will, and this fight occurred, instead of trying to be a boxer and go out there and and, and throw hands with Connor because he thought he was so great at boxing, he could have landed three or four calf kicks. And with the power Jose Aldo has in his, in his kicks, fight would have been over. Yep. But he wasn't thinking as an MMA fighter. He wasn't thinking about doing what Dustin did. And shooting it, and something that Will talked about, probably like our second show, maybe our first show, about when you show a guy a takedown, you said, motor control-wise, it slows that guy down. Now he has to think. Every time you faint, you know, every time you lower your level, it slows down everything that guy wants to do. And that's exactly what Dustin did. And then, he so he became an MMA fighter. I'm not going to stand there and trade hands with you for three rounds and see who wins. And he kicked him in the legs. And we've said it. Every single fighter of both genders in every weight division, you have got to be prepared to deliver leg kicks and to take leg kicks and calf kicks. And if you haven't conditioned yourself to do that and you did your entire camp with shin pads... And you didn't do like, uh, I'm trying to think, even Valentina Shevchenko, who has one of the most prolific kicking games in the sport, goes to Thailand and spends time with the Thais. You think she does that because she loves the weather and the lack of air conditioning at the gym? She does that so she can execute those kicks. So imagine Jose Aldo is basically him becoming a quote-unquote boxer it's basically you take a superhero take your favorite superhero and you take away their power and you go i'm gonna do it some other way i mean just not a wise just not a wise decision at all and i think connor's post uh post fight interview was really telling because in his post fight interview he says multiple times 
styles make fights. Styles and matchup makes fights. So how I'm reading that in the context of the post-fight interview and what we just saw is, and we talked about this on the Raiders of the Lost Ark podcast, that he, he needs fights. He needs styles that match him. A Khabib doesn't have a style that matches him. Anyone who wants to do what Dustin Poirier did to him doesn't have a style that matches him. What is he saying when styles make fights? He wants someone that's going to stand with him. Well, let's do very I, little else. I'd like to push back on Connor. Hands are out. Because that was a style. The problem is, and I have said this to fighters with whom I have a trust relationship or friendship with. If you are not improving in this sport, you're not staying the same. You're getting worse. You're going down because not because in actuality you're going down, but it's because everybody around you is getting better and they're training for you. If you're in the top five, that person who's in the top 10, top 15 even, there are guys out there that are top 10 that haven't even cracked that yet that are better than guys that are in the top five and gals in some cases. So by uh, not improving, by Connor uh, not taking himself out of his comfort zone, everybody should should be going to Thailand and learning how to execute Thai kicks and conditioning your shins and your legs for, for Thai kicks. Yes, I know it's expensive. Yes, there's COVID, all that stuff. But you have to do that if you want to be successful in this sport. Because tell me this. Jose Aldo's in his friggin' high rise in Rio. What other? I want you guys to give me his reaction that he's watching that fight. We get to the second round. The fight's over. Joe, what did Jose Aldo jumps up off the sofa? What did he say? Where's I couldn't. The Where's the speed bag? Let me do some boxing. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Hold the pads. I'll hold mitts for you. Where's the mitts? No, I mean he he knows he Nick. He had to have been saying to himself, I could have done that to that guy. If that's all it took, I could have done that. Is it? Is there any other possible reaction yeah. Jose Aldo could have had? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that thought went through his head. Um, I mean, they were, not to sort of take the conversation in a different direction, but, I mean, you didn't watch the fight, DJ, but just, I don't know if you heard people say, hey, is this the same guy that beat Eddie Alvarez that's fighting? That sure. Fought? You know, I mean, I'd say to a certain extent, yes. But, I mean, he, I think he's a little more boxing heavy based on maybe his aspirations to fight a Manny Pacquiao and after the Floyd, Floyd Mayweather bouts and everything like that. Maybe he might have fell more in love with his hands and everything like that. I mean, John McCarthy mentioned in his podcast weighing in that, you know, you didn't see any of those push kicks that he liked to use right kind of he threw some kicks though he threw a spinning wheel kick sure some spinning stuff which you know that's just like that's just cloud smoke to sort of mask what he wants to do with his left hand and totally. or whatever but yeah i don't know his kicking game was definitely lacking but i don't know i think i think uh him just being sort of in all these other directions with businesses and money stuff sponsor whatever all his other entrepreneurship type things that he's in 
well, some of the narrative from fans have said that maybe his he's not fully into MMA yet or MMA or he took breaks from MMA to focus on his business businesses and so you know him coming back full time to train he's his skill set has already been sort of behind in a lot of the top five well there's no excuse for that there's no excuse for that because his coach is watching every single UFC and he knows and Connor know you know he you have to get out of your comfort zone leave your gym the only thing that you can hope for as a fighter is that you have the money, the, the dream for a George St. Pierre's when he could say, you know what? I'm going to go to Brazil for 60 days and train jiu-jitsu. And he did that. I think he did it before the Hendricks fight. You know, or I'm going to go and train Muay Thai with Jean Charles in Paris. You know, a guy who fought Buakau. <laughs> I mean, so George did all these things. And because once he had the money, he said, I can go train any, I'm going to go to Donaher and train for a couple weeks in New York City. Something that a lot of fighters can't. Connor was in the perfect situation to do it. But they, you can, whenever you think, oh, this will be enough, it's not enough. Dustin has been grinding. Dustin has been getting better. And... They came, as you said in the beginning, Nick, in the in your opening. They came, or with it might have been Will, because someone asked Mike Brown. He came up with a, a perfect game plan for Connor, didn't give him what he expected, and Connor gave them what they wanted, which is a fighter who really wasn't prepared. And also, Casey Lydon put out a generalization that I thought was very interesting, and he said it's possible that Connor was not calloused from all his time off. Calloused here? Yeah, from the sparring. Cal- yeah, just from not cal. I mean, I mean, I don't know that because I don't know what he's been doing. I don't know if he's been training every week for eight months. I, we don't know. I just know what he... I know what he didn't do. I don't know what he actually did do. I just know that what he didn't do is he didn't prepare to be kicked in the legs. And if you guys remember, in that second fight with Nate, what did he do to Nate? He kicked... He probably saw what Dos Anjos did, and he kicked Nate in the legs a lot. Nate, Nate yeah. actually, uh, and Chris Luttrell pointed it out, the moment when Nate uh, Nate Diaz checked Connor, And once he checked Connor, Connor stopped throwing those kicks. Then he had to finish it with his hands, and I think it went to a decision, right? So Pori and McGregor in their post-fight talked about um, Connor checking kicks. And they both said that they were checking kicks. And this is the cool thing. They, so they both said that Connor was checking kicks independently in their post fights. And then also independently that they were both consistent on was that when he was checking kicks, he wasn't externally rotating um, his leg out enough. So then you're not a, checking it. Yeah, it wasn't a bone on bone contact. It wasn't a good, it wasn't an effective check, right? So no, either way. It's not I, a check. It's not a check. I mean, the attempt yeah. is yeah, and it's it's a he's shooting, but he's not making the shot. Um, so I thought I thought that was really interesting. But you know what we talked about on the last podcast as it relates to how would you beat Connor? Or no, we actually talked about I wanted to see Gaethje fight Connor because Connor's stance. Everybody's well aware of Connor's stance. Gaethje would destroy that lead leg. 
Oh my it. God. Gates just got one of the best. Gates, yeah. did it to Edson Barbosa. He yeah, kicked and, him in the calf. And Poirier is not known as a Gaethje Aldo type leg striker, lower leg striker. No. But he was in, able to do it in, with Connor. In fact, guess who destroyed Poirier's leg in a fight? Gaethje. That's right. That's right. He damn near finished. He damn yeah. near finished. It was basically, this was a, a Hail Mary or like this was like a bottom of the ninth, kind of like one man on and you're down two runs, kind of home run, Will, when he yeah. beat when he beat Justin Gaethje. Because yeah. Justin was, eat, if you guys go back and watch that, that fight, he ate done. that leg yeah. up, man. He was yeah, almost he, done. He, he was, yeah, he was almost done in that fight. And he, but he took that he was, and he used it. And he said, okay, I can do that to somebody too. Well, his he coach saw it. His coach saw Leg kicks in there for, for Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. He did throw quite a bit. I don't know. He did throw some leg kicks at Conor in their first fight. But, you know, it only he got, lasted 90 seconds. Oh, he got clipped and then behind, you know, he got <laughs> clipped and he got finished. But it's, it, there's a difference. Well, it's effective. It was effective. And I think it was there from the beginning, but then they kind of expand on that. And it, obviously it, from his experiences with like kicks thrown at him, you know, he saw how effective they were. Have you guys yeah. seen how the ties condition their, their shins for this yeah. stuff? One of the things that they do is they take two slats of wood and they take, and they, they one slat, the top one hits the other one and they go and they, and then you hit it on your leg and they keep doing that. And they deaden the nerves in their shins. That, along with a lot of work on the bag, without using shin pads and things like that, is how they kill all those nerves in the front of their leg. And I'm oh, here to tell it's you, not even the nerves; it's the bone, it's the, the microfracture, yeah, the bone that heal and that heal and the callus, right? It it, it heal, forms a big callus. They actually get thicker. Your bones get thicker. Yep, and it also flattens that that front part. I, uh, Boss Rutten once explained it when Anderson Silva, when Anderson Silva broke his leg on Chris Weidman's knee, you could see my hand is moving up at like a 45 degree angle. And what Boss Rutten said is you need to come up and land at like a 90 degree angle because your bone, that bone is, he said it's like a, it's like a ruler where if I give you a flat ruler, you could snap it in half. But if I ask you to break it long ways, you can't. Right. If I ask you to grab the, yeah. the, the sharp yeah. edge of the ruler and break it that way, you can't. You have to break it. And so he said that's why it's important when you land those leg kicks to have it at a 90 degree or even a down chop. Right. Because then you're really avoiding like the, the knee. So anyway, so, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I mean, ahead. I think you got no, you guys bring up good points is how do you stop if fighters are going to adopt this this tool or the strategy which they should how do you how do you stop it right and that's one way that you could stop it is you can train it over time um let's look at someone who didn't train it over time recently if you look at the gaichi khabib fight gaichi got khabib with a, a couple really good leg kicks that looked devastating mm -hmm. but what did khabib do to negate those leg kicks off a leg kick he gets a single, takes it down, done. And what have we said before, right? About what have we said before about being exposed to strikes where you have what orientation you're in, 
where you have the most probability of a brutal knockout? Is it on the feet or is it on, on the ground? On the feet. On the feet. Right? So there's another advantage there. You escape the leg kicks and you escape like these one punch types of, of knockouts. Yeah. And so there's like the title of the sport, MMA, is not only descriptive, but it's critical to how you go about game planning and how you go about executing a game plan. Because right now in this day and age, if you look at the evolution of the UFC, the very first one it starts out with, it shows what dominant martial art is going is going to win in a fight if everybody just has one martial art there that they're that they're um, training. Then as it evolves, people become a little bit more familiar with a variety of martial arts. Then it evolves even more, then it becomes better athletes, better athletes executing the different martial arts. And then what I, what I think is gonna be the next evolution is not whether you're a better athlete, because I actually think that Connor is a better athlete than Poirier when it no comes question. to mobility, no question. when it comes to generating power, mm-hmm. all those sorts of motor abilities, it's in Connor's favor. But what this fight showed was you can be a better fighter in terms of all these physical attributes that are that that they possess that are better. You can beat them handily if your ex- if your game plan is good and the execution of the game plan is good. Is yeah, I mean you you said it exactly. It's in fact you said it's it's the name mixed martial arts suggest what elements comprise comprise it to make a complete fighter it's actually a imperative not a, a literally a moral imperative that you learn all those disciplines otherwise you're going to end up looking really foolish when you could be better than a person yeah and it, and it goes back to jose aldo again he had the perfect stuff to beat mcgregor his ground game and his leg kicks and none of them saw that as he comes out like rocky two and they knock each other out at almost at the same time. And certain weight divisions have these type of fighters who are using this blueprint. In other weight divisions, it's just a matter of time, right? Before these fighters start executing this blueprint. But we kind of see in this in this welterweight division, the 155s, um, 165s, welterweight's 175. There is no, it's 170. Yeah, oh, sorry, we, a lot of people want a 175 division, but they haven't approved yeah. it. But I yeah. mean, you could or you 165 could, or whatever. Or 165 yeah, you too. Have, you have a lot of athletes, or sorry, you have a lot of fighters that can execute this game plan, and it's just going to filter out because it's the next evolution, right? You have to be able to figure out like what this blueprint is. Like, what's the other the fighter that fought on the undercard? Um, was it his last name? Saryukin, Saryukin, or something like that. I didn't um, see it, so Nick's going to have to. really, really good fight. Mm-hmm. So you guys should check it out with, with Islam. It is one of the most entertaining. I think I sent you guys a link a while back. But it is one oh, of the most Armin Saryukin, yeah, yeah, against Matt gonna, Frivola. You will see. It will only be a matter of time. He will be a really big name in the division because he fights in this, what I call the, the, the blueprint for being successful in the MMA. Yeah, I saw him fight Davi Ramos. I remember. Really I good, remember right? Him. Yeah, yeah, he's the very Islam, good. Yeah. The Islam fight is even better in my opinion because they're both, they have both have the same, 
skill set are similar. So I don't want to say same, but similar skill set and a similar plan to how they go about winning fights. And I'll watch that. That looks game. great. But you have fights. You have fighters like that, and that will be the that you will see those fighters dominate MMA. Yeah, that that uh, that is 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 really something. It's really. Um, I'm almost speechless that that knowing what's on the line. Do you know what this cost? You know, not only the fact that you're having guys that are going, "Oh my God, I never thought to calf kick this guy." Not the least of which is Pedneris and uh, the great Jose Aldo. Uh, that and they knew that Jose Aldo was going to come out and try to take his head off, and and boom, it was like literally like a one shot fight. It was a one punch fight. Well, Connor was. was practicing the counter pre-fight. He yeah. knew exactly what he was going to do. But what if he would have landed one calf kick, would have taken Connor off his feet with one, and then he would have got back up and he would have landed another one, and then the ball would have the ball would have just went down. That whole that whole power meter thing from uh, those fight fight games would have just went. <laughs> I think yeah, it, I, it shows a. Big time weakness in general. It would have been like not everyone does this, but it shows a big time weakness in MMA teams, camps, fighters to self scout, and then to scout and build an ex build a game plan and then execute that game plan. I mean, right. that whole rivalry between Conor McGregor and Josie Aldo was just built on emotion. So I mean, obviously, you know, Conor McGregor was just was pulling the strings of. Chose the auto the whole time, taking the belt. But that's no excuse, though. Pictures. That's no excuse. It's no. Excuse. It's not an excuse, but no. it's a tactic that was in Conor McGregor's favor. He. Was yeah, but 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 we have. Oh, but wait a minute. But wait, wait a minute. We cannot lay that at the fight. We cannot lay the reason for that defeat at the foot of Conor's tactics. Jose Aldo. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to tell you why. Because okay. how many fight? I. I I'm going to bring up his record now. How many fights do we go back and say, he hasn't thrown the leg kick. He hasn't thrown the leg kick yet. How many, how many times have we said that? He how many devolved, fights? He devolved as a fighter. <laughs> Without a question. Let me, let me, let me see here. I'm going to just look at some of the losses. I don't even think that Josie. Wait, was, well, he did probably stop using leg kicks when he fought McGregor. Oh my God. He stopped many fights before that. He didn't even throw him in that last fight against against okay, so here we go. Um all right, so the Ricardo Lamas fight, I was actually at that fight. Um he threw some there, but Ricardo Lamas just wasn't prepared. He wasn't good enough to beat Jose Aldo. Chad Mendez, he stopped throwing him. Connor obviously uh, you know, because that that one with Chad Mendes went five rounds. It did. Um, because he stopped throwing him, and it turned into a "I'll stop your takedown and I'll box with you." So Chad Mendes had nothing to worry about. Then Connor knocked him out in thirteen seconds. Frankie Edgar, he didn't throw him. I was at that fight in Vegas. Frank, that's Frankie Edgar too. He, yeah. But he won. Then he, he did. obviously didn't. Th- huh? Yeah, yeah. He threw a few, but I mean. If well, you're like throwing the, three the for the whole after, fight well, in five rounds. Is the, the fights after McGregor don't really make a difference because we're talking about the McGregor fight with Jose Aldo. I mean, oh, he I, stopped throwing him. Yeah, so he like, didn't throw him against Frankie the right, first time. He went right into Connor's game plan. 
You know, like he fell right in that trap. He went right at him. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where I go back to. I'm looking at October 8, 2011. He fought Kenny Florian. Kenny Florian, I think it was in Canada. Kenny Florian came back, came out and was throwing leg kicks and was looking to land elbows and all that. Kenny Florian threw a bunch of leg kicks at Jose Aldo. He looked very unfazed. Jose Aldo for the fight maybe threw nine of them. And those nine were enough to destroy the leg of Kenny Florian. So, but he was very late in throwing. Kenny was throwing at him. He wasn't throwing back. And Kenny Florian was on a roll. This was his title shot. So then we go from there to Chad Chad Mendez won. And he won, uh, but he KO'd him with a he KO'd him with a knee in round one. Yeah. Okay. He he grabbed the cage. Yep. uh, Grab the cage and he knocked him out of the knee. Yeah, yeah. Frankie Edgar. He started destroying Frankie's leg. Stop throwing him. And you're going, what are you doing? Stop throwing him. Then he fought Chan Sung Jung. Obviously, Chan Sung Jung threw his, his shoulder oh, out wow. and his TKO punches. I'll say uh, this. Even if he had like kicks, he still fell from McGregor's mental warfare, that which he doesn't do anymore. Since he's, no, it does matter. Kicks. No, it does matter. Because I he feel... had no... In- no, let me tell you. He had Go no ahead. intention of throwing him. That's the point. Because he kept point. he kept proving it over and over that he wasn't yeah, going to yeah, throw him, and we're all going, why isn't he throwing? And so then we would start our pre-fight analysis with, well, if he throws the leg kick, then I give. But we'll push back. But if you're just so mad at the guy, I'm not mad at him at all. He, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sad for you. him. I'm not, I'm no, not addressing you. Yeah, I'm Nick's not, not addressing talking you. about you, DJ. I'm talking about Jose. If you're so mad at the guy, even if you have leg kicks in your arsenal, right, and you're just so mad at him because all the antics, all the all the stuff he's saying, yada yada yada, we all know, we all know that. You're just gonna come at him, no matter if you have Khabib style wrestling or not. Say he got it under the skin of Khabib, and Khabib's like, I'm gonna knock this guy out. I don't care. I'm not using my wrestling. I've been working on my hands. Boom. You know, if you're okay. just gonna come at him like that, you're gonna get knocked out. I'm so glad it's that all, I'm so glad that you drew that parallel, Nick. You just made my argument. You just made my argument. You know why? Why's that? Because he did do that stuff to Khabib. But the difference between Jose Aldo and Khabib, as Will has said over and over, is Khabib comes out and does what he's best at. He doesn't care what you said to him. He's going to come out, he's going to do what he's best at, and he's going to challenge you to stop him. Jose Aldo yeah, came out, and, let me finish, Jose gonna... Aldo did what Connor's best at, not what Jose Aldo's best at. What he thought he was great at when he said, you know what, I might start a professional boxing career. Not realizing that he actually isn't good enough to beat Max Holloway in boxing. He definitely is not going to beat a professional boxer. Not even close. Go watch an undercard of a Mayweather fight. See how well those guys box. That's the difference. Khabib I get, I get didn't do saying, what Connor wanted. Khabib did does no matter what you say. He, he, you do. He, he does what he wants. Exactly. He for it. No, I. But it doesn't. For it. No, it doesn't matter what. He just it, fell for it. No, no I believe no. that. Khabib does what Khabib. 
Khabib does what Khabib does. He, do he didn't fall for it. No, I'm saying Khabib does what Khabib does. Argument. I do. Because he's not going to fall for it. No, he's not no. Gonna fall I'm, for I'm gonna, you, do you want me to tell you why your argument's wrong? Because he you, didn't do explain it. In, my explain, because, explain my argument. Explain my argument. You're saying he, fe he fell for the mental gymnastics. And he fell right into Correct. the game plan. What I'm... Ooh, what ooh, I'm ooh. Jose Aldo. What I'm saying okay. to you is that we could name 10 other fights when he, he didn't use it. Including the Volkanovski fight when he lost. Including the Holloway fights when he lost. It doesn't matter whether he was so in he his had, head. He, he thought he, had, he was a boxer. That's what I'm telling you. I understand that. I totally get that. If he, So you're saying if he had leg kicks, if he used them the whole time, and he didn't fall, if he didn't... He might have beat... Fell, he would have beat Max Holloway like Volkanovski did. We're not arguing about... We're not talking about Max Holloway. We're talking we're about... We're talking about Jose Aldo. About Conor McGregor. We're no, Conor we're talking McGregor about Jose versus, Aldo. It doesn't we're matter. Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo and why he lost. Right? No. No, I said that that's it doesn't. That's my claim. That's no, my claim. No, I, I'm I saying it didn't matter who the opponent was. He wasn't using him anyway until the second that's Holloway not my fight. Claim, man, that's not what I'm saying. You're that's saying that he got argument. in his head, and that's why he didn't like it. I'm saying here's what I'm saying. This okay. is my claim. Okay. All right. You could, you know, regardless, you could, you know, you could agree with it or not. But my claim is, even if he had leg kicks versus McGregor, this is an isolated incident. Right? So, versus McGregor. Say he had leg kicks. He used them the whole time, dismantling people, taking their legs out. He fights McGregor. But McGregor gets under his skin. He falls for McGregor's mental warfare. All he wants to do is just knock this guy out. Who cares if he has leg kicks? I don't care. I'm so mad at this guy. I'm just going to come forward on you and just knock you out. You're going to lose because you fall for you fall for the fact that you just want to knock this guy's head out because he said all these, you know, heinous things to you, and that's how you're going to lose. You're going to lose if you're going to just fight like that, you, no matter what your arsenal is. If Khabib fell for that and was like, you know what, I'm just going to knock this guy out. I don't care. I'm, I don't want to take this guy down. I'm just going to knock him out. Connor would have done the same thing to Khabib, even okay. if you have your whole arsenal. Okay. That's my argument. Is you, okay. If you fall for his mental warfare – can I respond now? I, I heard you. Yeah. Can I respond? Okay. Absolutely. The evidence suggests that you're wrong because there are a number of other fights where he tried to do the exact same thing. He came out and tried to box, but he he didn't end up with somebody that had that incredible power that Connor had in this uh, at 145. In fact, someone this week suggested Connor should actually make the cut. I hear you, Will. I hear you, brother. Um, Connor suggested that he should make they Connor should make the cut and go back to 145, where his power is otherworldly. And I bet you that uh, that he's gonna be no. I don't think he will either. But when you think of him no, fight, he, he looks small next to Dustin, right? I don't think he did. I think they're a similar. What size. do you think, Will? I think Dustin was a little bit bigger than him. I thought Connor looked great physically. I think that's been a to me. I think that's a factor for Connor in terms of his power. When he moves up to uh, that higher weight class, the touch becomes less powerful, from what I see. Um, like, if you can think about the those one punch knockouts that he's had in 155, 
who does he have it against in the higher weight divisions? Eddie He's Alvarez. Um, Eddie see. for sure. He he not yeah. gonna, I mean, I'm not so like I like people will bring up Ed, the Eddie Alvarez, and for me, that's I'm with you. I'm I don't like you. that. Yeah, I don't he like that a lot against Eddie. Yeah, and I just don't like that like one knock. That's like if you're putting like a notch on your record. I think if you beat Eddie Alvarez, you put half a notch. No, you're right. He has uh, the <laughs> oh, the wins that he has uh, over people who yeah. have fought at like, that weight class are Cerrone, Alvarez, and Nate Diaz. That's it. And yeah, oh, Nate by Diaz, the way, but but knockout. You're right. It's Nate only uh, so, it's only Alvarez. So when you think about well, I mean, you can kind of say Cerrone, but kinda. Cerrone was like. Shoulder strikes. He's CT. He's CTA. CTE disabled right now. So I think you touch Cerrone in the right way. He's he's gonna get a yeah. little unconscious in the in the cage. Um, so he really doesn't have that body. Even if it's a smaller body of of performances, he doesn't have a strong argument in the higher weight divisions. And so if I just look at that, that's just what we have, right? Those that's the available data. I'd say he's much more um, knockout savvy or his knockout potential is a lot higher at 155. I agree. And, 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 and he looks, he looks a bigger, uh, to me, Poirier looks like a bigger person. He's only an inch taller, but he just looks like a bigger person. So to I me, I thought where the huge discrepancy in size was when Holloway fought Poirier. Holloway looked yes. like he was much yes. smaller. Yeah. And yes. even when he punched him, his punches couldn't do anything. No. no and after that, a while, Poirier knew it. Poirier was 177 yeah. on the fight this past weekend. And, and, and honestly, a, Connor looked great and physically. A, even, yeah, I thought he looked good physically, sorry, too. One more, one more thing. Just one last. I'm sorry. Go thing. ahead, please. But uh, they were clinching a lot in that first round, and Connor was actually getting the better exchanges in the clinch. Yeah, so, he reversed them on the clinch. But that's yeah. still, I think that's. But that took some of the game. power away. Right. Yeah, that, that's the game that you want to play, right? So Connor mm-hmm. was saying, you know, I got up. He had me on. He had my back against the cage. We're standing up. We're in the clinch. I reversed him. And he was feeling really good about that. And now I'm saying to myself, if you're feeling good about clinching and wanting to clinch, you're taking away your superpower. Because your superpower is not knocking people out from the clinch or taking them down from the clinch. Your yeah. superpower yeah, is yeah. lighting them up with a left on your feet in the middle of the ring. Yeah, but the whole narrative of Connor being or Connor being smaller than Poirier, I thought Connor was just as big. Is yeah, that right? Might have been a little yeah, bigger. Yeah, I agree. I didn't, I I didn't, didn't yeah. yeah, I agree with you, Nick. I didn't see that and go, whoa, that was a difference. Nah. When I did see it, which is readily apparent, was Holloway Poirier. Then you go, whoa. Yeah. But at the oh, same yeah. at the same time though, Nick, would you agree that he would probably find more success at 145 if he were to cut? Because there, I mean, his power is like well, who who's there right now? Okay, Brian Volkov, Max, Zabit. Um, I was gonna say Chen Sung. I was gonna say Chen Sung Jung, but he's not. Um, no, he is. Oh, friggin' Yair. Yeah, you're. Yeah. I mean, and like, then when you're naming them, think about: are all of them gonna are willing to sit there and stand in front of Connor? And most of them are. Holloway's gonna stand in front of Connor. Well, not not well now. Well, first of all, Connor uh, Holloway was bitten the same way that Connor was bitten. 
because although he is a uh, more stout of a person when he's losing, Volkanovski kicked the shit out of his shin in that first fight and yeah. and really just went after it and kept hitting the same spot. And and Holloway learned from that and he came back. He hired I don't know if you saw the videos. He hired a guy from Thailand. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, yeah. and and he was doing a lot of sparring. He toughened up his shims. He started using eight limbs. You saw him with the elbows. Holloway was was able to outbox everybody, but he found out the same thing that Aldo found out with. If you're going to try to box everyone, you're going to eventually come out and find a guy who's either a better boxer than you are, which he found in Max Holloway, or you will find someone who's a better mixed martial artist than you, which Volkanovski was. Because Volkanovski used a multi-tiered game on Aldo. Tired him out, took the snap, because Aldo is a, is a guy who doesn't... Re- he kind of relies on a lot of fast twitch muscle fiber for his combinations. And Volko uh, had him against the cage, clinched with him, took shot takedowns, took him down, got him up, kicked him up, kicked him more in the legs. He's like, dude, you going to come out here and try to box me, man? This ain't going to be a boxing match. That has, been, that has been Jose Aldo's kryptonite for years now, unfortunately. tired. DC got tired just watching Volkanovski's fight. <laughs> <laughs> His cardio is sick, man. His oh, cardio, you know, ridiculous. So, but I, but Nick, would you agree that? <sighs> I don't know if I agree with that because no? I, I think the division's different. Push back, Conor push McGregor, back, man. I mean, like, I think I don't know. I think it's just as tough because you have Conor McGregor's success at 145 was he was. The bigger guy, meaning like not even like the stronger guy, but like the, the lankier guy. Like he had the reach on a lot of these guys. But look at the guys that have won 45 now. I mean, he has a beat. He's got a good re- reach. Obviously, Matt's ha- Max has a good reach. I mean, Volkanovski doesn't, but Volkanovski's got uh, a multi MMA multi. He's got you know, a real MMA game. He's got a okay. real All right, let me, MMA game. Let me reframe the question then. Let me reframe the question. So, uh, Where do you like his chances better if you had to pick? A weight class for him. I don't, that, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I think they're both tough for him. I don't think he he might have a slight like 10% chance of an increase of success, maybe at 145. But a lot of these guys at 145, I mean, their reach is probably just as good as Connor's, and their chins are, are really good too. And you know, they're they're multi sort of uh, faceted attacks too. Zabit's I mean, a freak, gonna, man. Zabit's gonna throw yeah. elbow yeah, so kicks. Zabit's gonna throw kicks. Zabit has an amazing takedown game, submission game. Even Calvin Cater could probably give him a good fight too. Calvin Cater's got great hands. He's got a. I mean, he he can't get put down. I mean, Max hit him with everything, and he was still standing. So, I Will, don't know. I think I, I Will, don't where do you like his chances better? I like him the lighter the better because you look at the second round left that Poirier took. I think at a lighter weight. If both of them are at a lighter weight, the fight's done. Well, first of all, if you remember in the fight against Chad Mendez, he got taken down and grounded and pounded. Not well, because Chad Mendez is not a great ground and pounder. So let me. No, he's not. Let me. Okay. But he got held down for an entire round and then got up <laughs> and took and took him out. So. Well, um, wait a minute. But he took him out with his. Wait a minute. A knee. Yeah, he had, he had a push. Oh, kick he kept push kick to the abdomen. Yeah. If you if you, if you look if you look at that fight, Connor did win. Um, but if you look at that fight, I think there are a couple big things that you have to consider. 
One is that Mendez took that fight off a really short notice. And so his game is a cardio-based game. I mean, right? I don't So you have to you have to consider that. I I yeah, but then And again... then the second thing that you have to consider that people overlook all the time is the bell saves the end of the first round saves Conor McGregor in that fight. Hmm. If he's in the position that he's in earlier in the round, I think it's done. But he gets saved, right? And this is this is the rule set. It's totally fine. Mm -hmm. I told I'm not arguing against it. But this is the rule set. And then you stand up for the second round. You come up standing up. But I think you have to really consider that when you're looking at when he beats Mendez, you have to consider those things in terms of the magnitude of the win. I don't know. I think he I get I get that point, you know. Like, all right, yeah, Mendez, he didn't have a full camp. Yeah, he got saved by the bell. But not a full camp. He had like nine days. <laughs> I don't so, care. He took yeah. the fight. No, I know. I, I agree. Oh, yeah. With you. No, no, no I'm not. Mendez I, was going in there thinking he was going to roll through Connor. So, I mean, that's on him. That, I'd like to, I'd scary. like to just let, let me, Judge DJ is going to adjudicate. I actually think Nick's point is saying that I think what Nick is trying to say is the division that Connor lorded over back then. Is not the division that we have now. The division is Correct. much, much better, yeah. much more skilled. I think all and, the divisions and, are much better. But you, but you said ten percent. Will and I might be closer to thirty percent better chance, uh, just because of the fact that his power is going to travel with him, yeah. and that's what he doesn't really have at at that weight class. And now you know, guys like, I mean, even if he goes to Thailand a month from now. I mean, guys like Justin are going to come after that leg. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, he's older now, and he's went up to welterweight, so cutting down to – Jose Aldo went to 135. Yeah, but he didn't go up to 55. He didn't go up to welterweight. You know, like he stayed at 145, and he probably could have fought at 155 like Aldo for sure. Yeah, the willingness but, is another story because of what. But, but going up to welterweight and then fighting it, you know, I, I think he's, he's well, like his body compositions for a healthy, for just to be optimal, I think is at lightweight. But him cutting down now to yeah. 145, I mean, his chin might not be able to take those shots just because of him. Well, being, I mean, you saw how he, lucky how he looks when he cuts down to 145. He, yeah, mean, he looks like skeletal. Skeleton. He looks skeletal. But, but uh, you chin will be... Good. You actually like make a you actually make a hidden good point because Aldo needed the money. Aldo knew that going up to 155 there was no way. If he was losing at 145, he wasn't going to do better at 155. He was going to get hurt worse. Thank yeah. God, thank God they didn't let him fight Khabib like he like they want like he asked for cuz that would have just oh been awful. Yeah, he would have got mauled. Yeah, it it would it could have ended his career. Um but um, he needed the money. Connor doesn't need the money, and therefore his the drive to sort of make that weight cut, I don't know, would be there unless uh, he gets advice from somebody that like either a matchmaker or Dana or his coach, and he's like, yeah, you know what, maybe I could go do work there. But it's like you said, man, the guys are very skilled at that weight class. So do you think anyway, he could retool his skill set and he could, of course at, he could at Dustin did Dustin did Max did. We just saw two examples in four yeah. weeks of guys that have done it. Of course he you still, can. 
So did Brian? Look at look at Brian Ortega. Camps to do that, or does he? Well, John Kalvinoff could. It's it's a matter of you have to go and see. Look at Brian Ortega. Look at what he did. He totally he looked like a completely different fighter. But Ortega fired his like fired yes part of his coaching staff right yes. I think so, he's still with the Gracies, like uh, Henner and Huron. Yes, those guys. But, yes, uh, but they're they weren't in his corner though. I think they he, couldn't. Henner Henner said he couldn't because of some. Uh, oh, is false, that right? Okay. False positive. But did he yeah. fire his one boxing coach? But I think the striking guy. Yes. James. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He he changed his camp. Whatever Connor has to do, I mean, he could go any. He could go train anywhere in the world. Yeah, he could go absolutely. train with George tomorrow. He could do whatever he wants to do. So. Yes, he needs to change something. Does he have to completely fire SBG? No, because it's a place close to his house. He can go and train. But he could go and do camp, do mini camps at other places and then bring it all together back at SBG and bring the principals in and yeah. pay for get. I'll yeah. get everybody a four-star hotel and yeah. you come train with me for three. He could do it. Uh, we've, seen, we've just seen you know Holloway do it. We've seen all these guys. Look at Rob Whitaker. Rob Whitaker looked terrible. He came out and took out the gorilla. <laughs> you know, if you if you don't do it, you're in trouble. You, yeah. you, you actually, it's like what DJ say said earlier. You don't stay the same. You get worse. Um, you know, like TJ Dillashaw is a really good example of that, right? He's at Alpha Male, and Alpha Male has their system, their in-house guys, and then he goes elsewhere. He goes. Oh, elsewhere. he had. He took his coach. Yeah. So he took. <laughs> he well, took his coach with him to go to Colorado. <laughs> He took his striking Which coach. they had uh, uh, Dwayne Wugleg and Ryan Faber were butting heads just from a business standpoint. So they kind of split and then. Yeah. And know. so what does that so look? He has lunch with as a striking coach and look at what he does for his other teams. Right. So, he I goes, mean, yeah, I mean, TJ did the right move to yeah. go with. I mean, if he would have stayed in alpha male, he probably would have been. I mean, the success he would have had probably maybe not been. Oh, he's just great. the same. Maybe he's even. Dude, if it wasn't for Dwayne and the peanut butter, man, they could snow. All right, guys, when we come back, okay, <laughs> before we talk about Dwayne <laughs> peddling his organic peanut butter at the desk at really Alpha Male, <laughs> yes, before oh, we get I into that, that, we will we will tackle the rest hilarious. of the card to the extent that Will and Nick want to. And we'll be right back on Life MMA in the NBA. One, two, three into the boat. Snoop Doggy Doggy, Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Oh, oh, yeah. From my brother from Los Angeles, my man. Dr. Will Wu. That is Dr. Dre and Snoop and the Chronic from back in 1992. I wore this CD out, man. If you could get grooves from that little laser running across it, I would have, I would have killed it, as they say where Will comes from, killed it. So, anyway, welcome back to Life MMA in the NBA, and uh, we are going to blast through the rest of UFC 257 because the doctor got to make a house call. Uh, by the way, I just want to recommend to Will before I forget um, our friend from Reality Life with Kate Casey 
has done now two interviews on the Tiger Woods documentary. I told you this girl was dope, right? I told you she could do anything, right? She had on the director, and then she had on Armin Katayan. You remember him from so, um, HBO? Yeah, he, he, well, that that um, documentary is based off his most recent book about Tiger. Right, right. Yeah, he wrote that book. Yeah, so uh, I'll send you that that episode. But KKC is dope. I'll actually I, I won't do it now. I'll text it to you that way um, because if I put it in the chat once we quit this, you won't be there. But but yeah, KKC, man. Okay, Armin Katayan was saying stuff like, hey, uh, wow, that's a great question. Or, hmm, I never thought of it that way. And whenever you have a guest that says that, you know you're you're dealing with a great interviewer. And I can tell you that with Dan Patrick, I know uh, particularly Will really loves stick and ball sports more so than Nick, although Nick's, Nick's coming up. Um, people say that to Dan Patrick every week. Great. Oh, great question. Oh wow, that's a that's a great question. When someone when that happens like almost every interview, it's I got news for you folks, it's not a coincidence. And yeah. I'm sorry, Re- go ahead. Re- yeah, reading reading that Tiger book. I haven't seen the documentary, I'll see it eventually, but reading that Ar- uh, Arvin, Arvin Armin 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 Katan. He used to be on Real Sports. Yeah, reading reading that book, uh, there were a lot of stories and then just with uh it was really cool to read and hear those stories and then from the people that i know in the golf business people having their own stories and some of them overlapped with those same stories he was telling them and some of them were additional stories that add added to the narrative and i thought like i just felt fortunate to be able to read the book and hear these separate stories that people had on their own to kind of paint a picture of um, the whole story, or right, or the phenomenon that is Tiger Woods. Man, all I thought of was, I th- I, I thought of uh, what's that? His father's name again? Earl. Yeah, Earl, Earl and Tiger, yeah. and I thought of Will and Kingston. <laughs> oh, geez, Louise. All right, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, Nick Louise. is looking at like what? What are these guys talking it's not about? <laughs> It's not even, it's Nick, not even really close to that. <laughs> Nick, Nick could not look more perplexed right now as if he went into a class and they, they put like mechanical engineering drawings in front of him. Like, hey, guys, what class is this? This is uh... a... <laughs> <All right. laughs> Get me out of here. Get All right. Here. So let's talk about... Eject, eject, class. eject. Nick's like, let's this is our talk... class, right? This is, this is a... What let's what, talk, let's talk about... Economics 101. Let's talk about the. Uh, let's go to the Dana White subject matter, okay. where uh, people and I didn't. I didn't hear anybody's reaction. This is my independent reaction. I haven't talked to anybody about this, or read anything about this, but about Dana White's demeanor, emotion, and attitude in the post-fight conference. What did you? What did you hear? What did you see, Nick? I mean, I heard he looks sad everyone's like dang oh. dana looks sad at that <laughs> post press conference and honestly i never watched dana white's press conferences anymore because he's just i don't know he he's just he's just uh, he's lost it for me you know i mean like he's done great stuff for the sport and you know if without him the sport wouldn't be right where it's at right now but like right now i think he's just going through the motions trying to make money trying to rip people off and yada 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 that's that's where i fit with dana 
So, but I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, based on the fact that. <laughs> I, so Eddie was. I was. I'm always really curious to see his unique analysis of what went on. Um, I do think he's good for overall good for the UFC. Um, whether he's good for the fighters, a totally different story, but I think overall he's good for the USC. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Him, yeah. I find him entertaining. I don't agree with a crap load of a variety of things that he does, says, or thinks, or believes in. Um, but I, it's entertaining. And so <laughs> for me, it's almost like a train wreck. Well, can, can you, can you describe for the audience yeah. and so what happened? If you hadn't seen it or if you had seen it, so I'm watching this thing, I'm going to go, Oh my gosh, he's like totally bummed out. Right? And I've never seen, I, I, you typically watch most of his post-conference interviews, um, because he, there's always good nuance that he brings and details that he brings and stories. So I'm comparing him to all these other post-fight interviews. I've never seen him so dejected. Out. Dejected. Yeah, dejected. And I'm thinking to myself, I know this happened early in the morning, and maybe he's just not a morning person or something along those lines. But he was like genuinely bummed out. Right? I think uh, Khabib always refers to Connor and Dana as uncle and nephew. It was like he was bummed out that his nephew lost right uncle dana was bummed he had all these plans for his nephew he saw all these dollars and then it just went right out the window it was amazing that he couldn't put on like this he wore his emotions on his sleeves on his sleeve he couldn't he couldn't pretend <laughs> and feel I, happy I, I, for I justin Poirier. i think we could actually make an argument that in a strange way it actually might have worked out better that connor lost because if he won First of all, he would hold all the power over them as far as what they're going to pay him for the next fight. Second of all, who are you going to put him against? You're going to put Charles Oliveira against Connor? Like that's not a thing that's going to happen. Um, Chandler. Oh, can I do Ray Longo? Yeah, how about Chandler and Hooker? But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, and hey, you you haven't talked about Chandler. He had a couple, Dana White had a couple big blows. So his uh, his prize fighter, Connor, goes down and it's going to alter his plans and how he envisioned promoting fights. And then you have his meeting with Khabib and Khabib basically says, I'm not coming back. And it was funny because they hyped up that meeting. And the then decision. After, yeah, the decision. The deci- and then after the Hey, after the no meeting- references to LeBron. None. <laughs> Zero. They, they called it like, yeah. That's what they called it. It made LeBron's decision seem much more uh, exciting than this one because it was basically a nondescript kind of interview that basically where he said that Khabib said he'd consider coming back if he saw something special. And when I, when I heard that, yeah, when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, he's really trying to save face because what did Khabib say after the fight to Dana Nick? I'm levels above these guys. And he's levels abs- above these guys. And he's absolutely right. So <laughs> I talking- am on higher level. There is no reason yeah. to come back. I beat both guys. Easy. So they ask him about it, and and Dana Dana says that Khabib tells him after the fight. He's like, "Come on, be honest." And you could you could picture Khabib saying this if you followed like Khabib's you know tri- training stuff and how he talks. He goes. Honestly, Dana, tell me, I'm, I'm levels I'm levels above these guys. 
and Dana's Dana's basically describing this conversation, how it's going. And Khabib is absolutely correct. He has beat Poirier. He has beat Connor. He has beat Gaethje. And are they not the top the top guy the top three in that and, division? And he'll beat Oliveira because Oliveira's game Oliveira. is not gonna translate to that that style think, of grappling. I think five is maybe Ferguson at the weight division. So you just look at that whole top five and you go, there's these guys maybe have a chance if they fight them two on one, but one on one, they don't have a chance. And so it was, it was, it was pretty funny about how, uh, how Dana was trying to save it a little bit and say that Khabib would come back if he saw something exciting. And I'm wondering what could he possibly see I mean, from those guys I mean, I, to make to, him want to come back? To be perfectly honest with you, and Nick, I, I, I hope I didn't cut you off. No, no, go for it. Um, go for it. If, if I were Chandler, I if I were Chandler and I were wanting to draw Khabib out, I would go out with a very specific game plan in mind. I would go out with a game plan where I try to take a guy down, let him up, take him down, ground and pound him, let him up, and just try to almost like see if I could get like 10 takedowns in a fight. And then at the end of a decision after ending it with ground and pound, jumping up and go, come on, Khabib, I'm the best wrestler. Yeah, know. you know, and kind of do one of those things. That yeah. might be the, the only way to pique his interest. I would say, go, go, sorry, go ahead. I don't want to jump Yeah, I mean, you. for that, I think that'd be a great, that would have been a great idea for Chandler to do that. But I think Chandler had a lot of sort of pressure to perform. Yeah. He just wanted to get in there and get that win. He did. And, you know, he's he's a aggressive, like, pressure-type fighter with that's really expulsive. So he just wanted to get in there, you know, get that win and be like, all right, sweet. And hopefully he thought, obviously he thought that that, that would be potentially be enough to get Khabib's attention. Oh, but, yeah, no way. He would have. But I agree. No, nah, but like, you know, that's what he probably thought. He, he did but. exactly what I would have coached. I mean, he he did perfect. for. But now the next fight, maybe he's somebody else. Maybe he tries to like see yeah. if I can set a takedown record. Do something to get Khabib thinking that, hey, there's a grappler here, you know, that could challenge him. Yeah. Holy moly, DJ. Mm -hmm. You are reaching like you have the arm wingspan of Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> what now? No, I, I, I mean, if there was a chance, I'm yeah, not saying yeah, it's yeah, going to work, Will. I'm know. saying that if, if, if somebody was going to do it, who could do it? Because we had to find Nick named off all the guys. Was it you? One of I you did. two named off who, who everyone who he's beat. So there's one guy he hasn't beat that happens to be an All-American out of the University of Missouri. So if I, if I were going to try to get Khabib's attention and try to get Dana to go, well, look, this, this Chandler, you know, he, oh, he just got, he got 10 takedowns. I mean, the kid, everybody's the kid to him. Like, I'd probably be the kid, and I'm probably like Dana's age. Uh, but, but he'd be like, yeah, the kid, look, he had 10 takedowns, you know. So, I mean, it would take something along those lines of the current crop, because it's not going to be George St. Pierre, who I heard talk today. And by the way, Every time I hear George St. Pierre talk, I feel like I'm listening, and, and this is going to sound hyperbolous, I feel like I'm listening to a genius. Just his his process and, and his approach to life, not only just fighting, 
but he's a, he's a I, I don't know, man. That guy is like Dude, he's he like a whole tactical, other thing. Got to go on. A tactical fighter, right? He's a tactical fighter and had a tactical staff, and so I you would you should expect something like that, DJ. No, I mean with all we, we, the physical we t- gifts too. And the mental yeah, gifts to, 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 to like uh, today, yeah. Michael Bisping asked him, what are you doing uh, right now? Because he said the gym is shut down. So he goes, I can't go and train at the gym with these other guys. So I train martial arts at home. He goes, I'm going to the track and doing track and field. I'm doing, he's still doing gymnastics. I'm doing gymnastics. I'm doing, so yeah. the dude is just, the dude is amazing. But, he's a beast, man. but he, the point that I want to make that'll circle back around to what happened with Poirier, what happened with Connor, what happened with Max, what happened with Aldo, what happened with Daniel Cormier, is that George became the fighter that he wanted to be. He had no wrestling at all growing up. He was a karate guy. And he said, I am going to wrestle. I have access to Canadian Olympians. I am going to make myself a competent wrestler. And he said it today. I'm a good wrestler in MMA, but I, when I train with these guys that are in the, uh, uh, wh- when I train with these guys uh, in, in the Olympic wrestling mat, I can't compete with them. When I go to Danaher, I can't compete with these guys who do jiu-jitsu competitions. I can't compete with uh, the, the boxers I train with. He says, I'm good for three or four rounds. And then they start to just, take over but he turned himself into the fighter he wanted to be connor made himself the fighter he wanted to be dustin made himself the fighter he wanted to be and then he changed he changed up because he knew it wasn't going to be enough dc made himself the fighter that he wanted dc made himself the fighter he wanted to be and even in the face of somebody like khabib he wasn't able to get over the hump Max changed his approach to fighting. Justin now is going to be challenged. Are you still going to be a white belt? Or are you going to say, I need to approach, take a different approach to jiu-jitsu and wrestling if I'm going to be a complete fighter because I came up with a guy who who smashed me. But anyway. Honestly, he he can do that because he went from brawler to die on my shield you know, to more yes. technical yes. boxer. Yes. Like, you know, implementing that, being more methodical, being more cautious, but still sort of aggressive in his approach. And who knows? Yeah, he might, I don't know if he's going to put on the gi and get in there, but he might definitely put some more effort into jujitsu. And he know he can wrestle, so he's got grappling ability. It's not like he doesn't have no grappling ability. He's just like a boxer. So, I mean, I think he'll... He can. He absolutely he can. But 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 the point is, is what you saw leading into the Khabib fight, he became the fighter he wanted to be. So, all right, um, all right. We're gonna wrap it up right there. Um, that was about. Uh, we we definitely got on some tangents, but we had a little bit of fun with it. It was it was you, good. It was good. Yeah, you guys saw the card. You saw. The rest of the fights, there wasn't a, a lot there that uh, that I think we would have really dove into. Um, I just uh, saw uh, today someone was talking about Juliana Pena, and this is to uh, Alex K. Lee, 
and Mike Heck, who I love their show. They make the most brilliant matchup matchups that you could think of uh, of all these fighters. After they have fought, they parse out who should fight who, and they were postulating about Juliana Pena taking on Amanda Nunes and the fact that uh, Amanda might retire after this 145 fight. Nick, what is my stance on Amanda retiring? I don't know. What is it? Not going to happen. Not going to happen. I don't care what happens in that 145 fight. In 2021, there is no circumstance that Amanda will retire. None. None. The only way I could see Amanda retiring, and they did hint at it, if Kayla Harrison came to 145 in the UFC and somehow put a deep hurting onto Amanda and uh, the people that uh, that I know that see them in the gym say that, you know, her MMA level isn't quite there yet. So uh, I'll believe that. But they're at the same, they're at the same gym. They're both at ATT. They right? are. Yeah. But they're yeah. probably, if you were Kayla, would you be training with Amanda? You know, you might spar with her a little bit, but if you think you're coming to the UFC, you're not going to want to, be spending all your time training with Amanda and then have to fight her. So, all right. Um, good job, guys. With some fun. Yeah. It was good. It was good. All right. Well, yeah. And I'm sorry. My mea culpa from last week, I totally screwed up and forgot to turn on the mic that basically we were all running through. So, uh, DJ forgot to turn on the power. <laughs> I forgot to throw in the power. Oh, so that update, that update kind of was weird, though, right? Because you had that update. Yeah, but it, but then I when I troubleshot when I troubleshot it back, uh, the zoom the the little block where the zoom is on, I had that block turned off because I had recorded solo, not through Zoom, so I had that block turned off, and and so I found out it was one hundred percent my fault, and we had probably one of the best two hours. Uh, we did basically two separate shows for you guys. Uh, two and a half. We did uh, um, we did uh, MMA. We did politics and MMA, and then we did uh, NBA. And Will yeah. finished it up with a little bit of motor control and learning, which was absolutely phenomenal. And I apologize that none of you guys got to hear it because it was one of our best efforts. But it's not our last. So, all right. Welcome. So for <laughs> yeah, let me see if I can get Funkorama queued up here. Uh, do you have any? Do you have any parting shots, uh, Will? I do not. I think we are very entertained by, to me, a very unexpected outcome. Props to Mike Brown. Props to Destin Poirier. Yeah. Props to Conor McGregor for bringing the hype and the attention back. And um, I'll see you guys next week yeah man um yeah that was i I can't i don't think i could put that any better nick yeah it's good to see a person like dustin poirier get the success that i think he definitely deserves as far as a a win over conor mcgregor and you know let's i'm I'm excited to see what he's gonna do next if he's just they're gonna give him the belt or or whatnot but yeah i think he's well deserved all right. Um, I want you guys to superimpose Funkorama. It will be included in the track uh, as we get out of here. So uh, 
It is Life MMA in the NBA. You can find us everywhere. I'm actually I'm going to get us up on Stitcher as well. Um, I got to get that done, and I'm still working our logo. But uh, we just love talking to you guys, and um, we'll talk about a variety of different subjects. And uh, I have a couple couple good good uh, interviews that are lined up. So uh, for Dr. Will Wu and Nick Cazono, this is DJ San Marco saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road.